Hey everyone, welcome to Yoga Land's Yoga Teacher Companion. I'm your host, Jason Crandall, and this is the second episode in a three-part series on practicing and teaching Chaturanga. There's something that I wanna lead with right now, which is we talk and acknowledge that practicing Chaturanga is difficult, it's a hard pose. What we don't often talk about is it's a really hard pose to teach as well. And one of the reasons it's such a difficult pose to teach is because people aren't there for very long. You kind of have this like high repetition experience, but low duration experience. And so it's difficult to get people to understand and learn some of the more technical nuances of the posture because they're not there long enough to actually experience it. We're gonna talk today about modifications and alternatives to Chaturanga. We're even gonna talk about what I think is a really not good alternative and transition, There's, or, or alternative and modification. There's something that's commonly done as a modification or an alternative that I, I don't think is a very great idea. Um, but as we look at these modifications, I wanna acknowledge that these are really great modifications, but they're also really great teaching tools. I like to use the modifications that I'm gonna show you here in a moment not just for people that struggle with the pose and need these as support structures, I like these tools as a teacher because it can help me teach components and technical aspects of these postures that are really hard to teach without them. So my favorite modification includes the use of a belt. We're gonna use, we're gonna look at two modifications with props. The first one's with the belt. And then we're gonna look at a modification without props, okay? So I understand the downside of using a belt. Is one, there's a little bit of user error possibility. And two, not everyone has access to belts and blocks, okay? So we're gonna look at something to do if you don't have access, but if you do, this is my single favorite thing to do for students that need help and when I wanna teach them a greater nuance in the posture. So the first thing that you do is you make a loop in the belt. I'm not gonna go over how to do that. You want the loop to be a diameter such that when you take the arms inside and you place that loop just above the elbows, you wanna be able to bend the elbows and have the elbows brush up against the side of the ribs or pretty close to that. So if you had no belt on, it should be the diameter that those arms would just kind of scrape by the side ribs. You don't want the elbows to be way out here. You also don't want the elbows to be like inaccessibly and narrowly bound, okay? So you have people get that diameter, okay? And then the great thing about this, everyone, which we'll see here as I show it, is this belt, is gonna support your weight, and it's relatively comfortable, relative to the not quite as comfortable option I'm gonna show with the block. So, we take the belt, we loop it so it's just above the elbows. And what this is gonna form when we lower down everyone, it's gonna form this perfect sling that's gonna catch you and support you at your mid ribs, okay? So, we have the arms, we're straight, we're in plank, and then as we bend the elbows and lower to chaturanga, this sling hammock structure of the belt 
catches your mid ribs. So not only is this belt taking a huge amount of your body's weight and therefore making the pose more accessible, but it's also giving you the time. So you can help people cue them on how to use their legs or their core, their lower back or shoulders, elbows, all of the technical nuances, right? I'm still here, my voice isn't breaking. I've been here 20, maybe 30 seconds and I'm okay, all right? So the great thing about this belt, it supports your weight. It's relatively comfortable. And for people that need the support, it provides it, but it also gives us enough support that even people that don't need it benefit by it because as it supports us, we can refine the neuromuscular muscle memory of doing the pose in a nice, more technically skillful way. Second option. This option does more or less the same thing, but it's not quite as comfortable, okay? The upside about this, however, is I feel like there's much less user error, um, and I feel like in general, blocks are still relatively more accessible in studios than belts are. I also want to acknowledge that depending on your body and your body type, this might be doable, it might not be doable, just depending on um, your comfort level of putting your chest and your front ribs on a block. So, quick block anatomy. Block has three different sides. I mean, it has multiple sides, but it has three, three different types. So, you have um, what would be the highest point, which is the end of the block. You have the lowest point, which would be the face of the block. And then you have that midway point, which is the side of the block. So you want the side of the block. I don't think this is a perfect measurement for most. It's not quite as ideal as the belt, but it, it, again, you'll, you'll see. So we have a block here, and we want this block to, to kind of catch us at the bottom of the breastbone and into those front ribs, okay? So it's gonna be kind of pressed up against bottom of breastbone, front ribs, anterior part of the diaphragm, mic cord. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world, but neither is chaturanga. Okay, so we have this here, and we kind of come down and we put these front ribs against it, legs straight, arms in position. And again, same thing, I can talk to my students about hugging the elbows in, lifting the front of the shoulder bones, slightly retracting and depressing the scapula. I can talk to them a little bit about using the thighs, using the core, all these things because they're here. We'll talk a little bit about how to position the head, right? So really good modification, but also really good teaching tool. Now, let's say we don't have blocks, belts, or we just like can't be bothered, but we need a little bit help. One or both knees. Okay, now, this might be really obvious, but there's an important concept that gets overlooked. When you bring the knees down, that's almost always going to be paired for someone that needs a modification with not going as low as a, as a, as like a status quo chaturanga. Okay, but you never want to go beyond a status quo chaturanga. So here's my point. So if I come down to the knees, 
then what I probably want to do from here is I want to bend my elbows and lower down just a little bit. I don't want to go all the way to the ground unless I'm coming to the floor for one of the upcoming alternatives. But I want you to think about this as a modification of Chaturanga itself as opposed to an alternative to Chaturanga which is something entirely different that can be done in its place. So when you come down onto all fours, you bring the knees down, in this situation, you bend the elbows just a little bit. It becomes the supported mini push-up. And just remember everyone that when you bend the elbows just a little bit and go a little bit forward and down, you're in the correct pathway of Chaturanga. When you go all the way down to the floor, unless you're going down to the floor for, a, for an alternative, if you go all the way down to the floor, you're, not, you're probably just gonna use momentum to get down and momentum to get up. And that isn't a very good modification of Chaturanga because it's nothing like Chaturanga. It's like a drive-by, right? You just kind of crush through it, go back and forth. Bear with me on this for a moment. Imagine that Chaturanga equaled running 10 miles. If you can't run 10 miles, well, you don't get in a car and like blast by 10 miles and blast back. You run one mile or you run two miles or you run three or four or whatever it is. So you want to think about a modification as still relevant to the path and process. So when you bring one knee down, right, which is kind of the same as two knees, it's just you can bring more action to that leg, it would be the same thing. You lower down just a little bit. You go one mile or two miles or three miles or four miles or whatever, but you don't get in a car and just like completely skip the process, okay? So option one with a belt. Option two with a block. Option three, one or both knees down and then going a little bit towards Chaturanga but not, not beyond it, okay? Now, let's look at alternatives. The alternatives, there's going to be three of them, two of which are going to go all the way to the floor. So let's go ahead and start there, okay? So alternative one, you bring the knees to the floor and then you come all the way down. And then the most obvious choice here is you just keep the hands planted, hug the elbows in, lift the front of the shoulders, draw the shoulder blades down, and do a really simple low cobra. So, so I'm pressing the hands down. I'm getting the muscular engagement in the upper body and the coordination of Chaturanga, but I don't have the same load on my shoulders, okay? That's option one. This is actually my least favorite option, but it is a good option. Option two is those arms go back into locust and the palms face down. I don't want you to interlace the fingers. I want you to interlace the fingers when you do locust if you're focusing on doing back bends and opening the front of the shoulders and chest. But with the fingers interlaced, you get a good front body opener, but, the, but you don't have to work the muscles in the back of the shoulders as much. So think about it, if you are replacing chaturanga, if you're doing an alternative, you wanna work with a little bit more of the muscular counter, the muscular uh, action of chaturanga. So palms face down, arms up, 
simple locust pose, okay? Now, my third option does not take us all the way down to the floor. The third option is just coming from plank to forearm plank. And I, I, I find this is a very good option for people that still are practicing vinyasa yoga, but have a, sh have a nagging shoulder thing. A lot of times what you'll find is there's gonna be two communities. There's gonna be a community of practitioners that need modifications and alternatives for chaturanga because they don't have the strength to do those poses without a little bit of help and a little bit of support. The other community tends to need a modification or an alternative to chaturanga because they have a shoulder thing, okay? And forearm plank, I have found anecdotally, everyone, I'm not a doctor, this is not scientific, anecdotally, I have found that when people are nursing a shoulder thing, oftentimes forearm plank is the easiest, most helpful one of these options to be able to go to a practice, do a vinyasa-based practice, but not have to deal with chaturanga really at all and some of the stresses that that can present to the shoulders. So this is a good option. So, you know, a lot of times people down dog will be fine, then plank, and then knees to floor, right into forearm plank. And what I find I like is hands together in prayer or fingers interlaced. Leg straight, forearm plank. And then when they get out, knees down, back into downward facing dog. I'll show that again. So plank, knees down. Forearm plank, fingers interlaced, legs straight. Don't worry about the timing, okay? If you're doing a, an alternative or a modification, it might take you a little bit longer to get through the, the, uh, the movements, okay? Just take your time on that. You can go palm face down, but because I am often experiencing, like I said, this second category of people wanting an alternative because they have a shoulder thing, my preference is to bring the fingers together. This is an easier position for most shoulders to bear weight than this, okay? The other thing is that when the fingers are interlaced, you have reinforced the two, the two shoulders by bringing the hands together. If, I, if I'm trying to keep something at bay, right? If something's like pushing against me, this is not nearly as strong as this, okay? So when you join those two arms together like that, it can be a little bit, it can reinforce you. Now, finally, what do I not like as an alternative or modification to Chaturanga? You may have guessed already, but if you haven't, here goes. Knees, chest, and chin, or sometimes called Agni Stambhasana, or it has some, some, some other names. Knees, chest, and chin is not, in my opinion, a very good modification or alternative to Chaturanga. But if you have a gut punch moment where you're, you're questioning, what, how can this be true? It's what I do. Let me say this. I'm not being diplomatic here. I'm being as sincere as I can be, which is pretty sincere. Knees, chest, and chin is a fine 
posture. It is a fine transition. I'm happy for people to teach it. I'm happy for people to practice it. I think it's good. I think it's really nice in a lot of ways. So in and of itself, knees, chest, and chin is fine. But as an alternative or a modification to chaturanga, I don't think it's very great. Here's why. Because when I think about a modification of chaturanga, or I think about an alternative to chaturanga, I'm still thinking about chaturanga as the baseline, right? It's the thing that we are modifying or we're making an alternative to, but we're still trying to kind of approximate that thing. We're staying in the path or the trajectory of that thing. And knees, chest, and chin teaches pretty much the opposite motor pattern that you would ever want for chaturanga. In fact, knees, chest, and chin action in chaturanga is, is a pretty significant, it's one of the uh, bigger technical mistakes you can make. So when you do knees, chest, and chin, and I'm not gonna go all the way down just because of where my mic is, okay? So knees, chest, and chin, knees comes down, you bend the elbows, right? And you drop the shoulders and the chest down like this, so the chest and the chin come down. So you drop the shoulder low and you roll the head of the humerus bone forward, which if you're doing that in a continuous motion, it's probably fine for the shoulders, right? And you get to the floor and it's just kind of such a nice easy transition, it's not a problem. But we don't want our students to do chaturanga like that because we don't want them to roll and dip the head of the humerus bone forward. So as a completely separate thing, I think it's fine. I don't do it, I don't practice it, but I, but I think it's fine, right? It's just not a choice I make. But as an alternative for chaturanga, it don't, I don't think it's providing your students with the pathway, the trajectory, the technical experience that's gonna help them with chaturanga. In fact, it might help them um, make the most common technical error in chaturanga, okay? So experiment with this stuff, pass it on to your students. If you haven't registered for my email list, check it out, jasonyoga.com. Uh, we have all sorts of additional free content there uh, and I'd love to uh, keep up with you, okay? Thanks a ton, everyone. Take care.